The life and professional story of our guest exemplifies the purpose of facing tomorrow. This entire podcast is set on the premise that there is life outside of our most challenging moments. Light piercing through the darkness of sadness, of uncertainty, of loss, of any altering moment. Over the years, we've heard from passionate professionals who have accepted their why, even in the face of their worst days. Loss due to suicide, struggles due to mental health, overcoming domestic violence, and passionately raising children, even with challenging diagnoses. For years, I have been amazed at the work of our guest and the work that she has done with those experiencing homelessness. Her passionate pursuit of ensuring belonging for all is infectious and energizing. Her recent talk during United Way of Central Iowa's Powered by Purpose Speaker Series is not to be missed, and we're going to be sure to link that associated uh, article that you can, you can take a peek at with this pod. Mark Twain said, the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. Well, let's learn more about the why along with how Maslow got the why wrong. In this chat with Chief Executive Officer of Greater Des Moines Supportive Housing, Emily Osweiler. Emily, welcome to Facing Tomorrow. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I'd love for you to start off by introducing yourself and, and talk to us about the moments that is frozen in time with you or moments that have frozen in time for you. Okay. Well, I'm uh, humbled by your introduction already. I'm Emily Osweiler. I've um, kind of been working in this housing and homelessness space in our community for the last almost 20 years. This year will be 20 years. Um, in some different roles, and I'm a social worker, um, and yeah, just happy to be here. Um, you know, you ask for the date frozen in time, and you know, looking back now, I think I could probably pick a date for you, um, but I don't, it's like for me, it feels like it's a lot of moments along the way, right? I think people are constantly becoming and constantly growing and leaning in and um, figuring it out, you know, as you go. I think there's there's a quote from Harry Potter. Hagrid says, you know, something about we, we don't know what's coming, but we'll meet it when it does, right? And that's a little bit like walking out the door every morning into the unknown. You don't know what today will bring, but um, you just kind of do it. And so as you look back, doing that every day, um, you, I believe that it's every point along the way kind of molds you into where you are now. And so where I am in a year will look different. But so if, I suppose if I had to pick a date, I would say uh, September 30th, 2021. Um, but I don't know that I would have said that, you know, I, it's it's been this whole process, I suppose. So where do you want me to go from there? Do you want me to? So what what is significant about that day? And I, I appreciate that because I think we're going to get to the the point that you are making where where this life has led you to where you are today with a, a loving term that you use. And I'm going to get to that in a moment, but I would love for you to just talk about the significance of that September date. And why, if if you were if you were looking to pick a date, that is something of significance to you. Mm -hmm. 
Well, um, I suppose we'll talk about this a little bit, but I had made a hard decision to leave um, a job that I loved and kind of went to a new adventure, unsure, you know, you, you trusting the magic of new beginnings, and um, it didn't work out. And we, we can talk about that too, but didn't work out, left without a plan. And for, man, so if this is September 30th, I left that job mid-August. So there is this period of maybe six weeks where it was just like, whoa, what? (laughs) Now what? You know, like regret, angst, all the stuff, what's next? Um, But September 30th was a date that um, two of my colleagues and I went to a place called Prairie Woods for a retreat. Um, and to just kind of feel everything that we were feeling together because we'd kind of been on a similar journey. And so we, you know, we sat in a circle looking at each other like, really, now what? And I think we had some ideas, but we didn't know how to get there. And maybe there was this vision, but it kind of felt like almost impossible. And so, September 30th, and then and subsequently the next day, October 1st, was our um, overnight retreat where we did this just dreaming. And I think it was the moment we realized, like, we could, we could do this. And it felt like this, I don't know, you know, I think people carry stress around in different places. And for me, it's a lot in, like, my neck and shoulders. And it felt like this weight, like... I think what we knew we were headed into was scary and heavy and stressful, but in an exciting way, as opposed to this, what did we do kind of way. And so it was the date that maybe we could take a deep breath of relief, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And you talk about that being with another person and allowing you to come to that realization with that person. I feel like in order for us to understand you, Emily, and understand where you come from, you lovingly use the term framly yeah. often in your in your life, in your professional life. Where does that come from? What does that mean to you? And and how was that something that was able to ground you in that moment of uh, of relief, of realization? Hmm. Um I'm glad you brought that up. I yeah, I love that word, family. Um, it's just a. I mean, I don't. I don't think I made it up. I heard it somewhere, and I was like, "That's it." Friends that are like family, right? Family, and I think um, I've worked with a vulnerable population for years, and the truth is that not everyone has the family, biological family, that maybe is um, going to support you and your authentic self, right? And so we pick the people. And and for some of us, it might be biological family or a mix. But we pick the people that um, see us as we are and accept us as we are. Um, and that's your family, your friends that are like family. And so for me, I think Everything, all my for myself, my work, um, what I try to create in the world, it's all about community and belonging, and that comes from family. 
Um, so you're right. It's interesting. I hadn't even thought about it, but it was this moment. The three of us were together um, in this kind of the shared space of the same angst um, where we had this like – I don't know if you call it an aha or, you know, but just like this moment of let's do it. Maybe it's crazy. Maybe it's audacious. It depends on the day. <laughs> but um, we, I think we needed each other to get there. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great point. I love that. Yeah. So I think you're, you're going to hear that term perhaps brought up throughout this episode. Uh, and it's a meaningful term that, that will also tie into the concept of the title with this this episode of Maslow Got It Wrong. So the idea of family and your value of belonging, how does that relate to your idea that Maslow got his hierarchy of needs wrong? Well, I mean, that's an attention getter, isn't it? Maslow got it wrong. I don't, you know, who am I? I don't know. But I think um, when I was at the Y, I talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs all the time. It was, you know, and if you're not familiar, it's a pyramid about human needs. Um, You know, the bottom is um, basic needs, food, clothing, shelter, the next level, safety, security, the next level, community, belonging, keeps going, right? And so I've always used that as kind of a Cliff's Notes for what we were what we were doing, how we were serving people, what needs there were, and what programs we were creating to kind of meet those needs, right? And somewhere in there, again, I think every moment is helping you become, so I don't know when, but I realized um, when I talk about Maslow and I would get to that community belonging part, I think he got it wrong, and I think community and belonging are the most basic need of all. So I don't know, do you flip it? Do you just put that one on the bottom? But I really believe that um, human connection is more important even than food, clothing, shelter. I think people need people. I think it's the most fundamental need. Um, There's all kinds of stats on loneliness and how terrible it is for your health. Um, And I think throughout my entire career, whatever work I was doing, that's what I've seen. And so I have worked with vulnerable populations this whole time. I'm a social worker. So I've worked with food insecurity and housing insecurity and trauma and all of these things. And ultimately, what I've seen as the the secret sauce, you know, I think um, because I did write my own why statement and it is, I believe there are no throwaway people that every single person is deserving of belonging and connection right now, as is, no matter what. And that that sacred space of belonging and connection, community, is the secret sauce to what? Whatever is next for them in their journey, right? To transformation, to growth, to healing. Um, And I've seen it over and over. People want to be seen People want to be remembered. People want um, a witness to their journey. And so whatever role I was in, whatever the systemic issue was, um, it's sitting with someone 
and sharing in their silence, their pain, you know, not looking away, being a witness to whatever it is, not moving them through, not trying to problem solve, not saying it's okay because it's not, you know, number one, uh, the number one rule of, lo- of life is that it's suffering and you can't compare suffering. You can just walk with people in it. And so that's what I think. That's why I think Maslow got it wrong because I think we can, you know, there's a quote, we're all just walking each other home. That's what it is. People need people. And I'm not surprised by that. I know you had mentioned like, who are you to say? We, we talk a lot in suicide prevention space as well about the need to have that community of people that are your go-tos, that in moments of trauma, in moments of concern, you trust that you can reach out to them and you have a plan in place in which you can reach out to them. Without that network of people, we will struggle that much more. So I appreciate that you've said that because I think that there is a direct connection with the the people that we have talked to in in previous uh, conversations, the work that I do in other spaces as well, where that, that need to belong, that need to be a part of that family, that, that family of people, that family of trust, uh, it's tantamount to success for each of us. Yeah. So even though you feel like you can't speak from a professional space, I, I feel where you're coming from. And I yeah. completely understand that that is something that we need to be very aware of. And, uh, and, and I, I know that we'll talk more about that as we move through the conversation. What I would love to do next is ask you about the decision to leave with nothing, mm-hmm. what your emotions were in that moment, and also the the individuals that were closest to you, what what they were feeling or expressing toward you, because many people that are listening to this may may be in that sort of situation right now. So I would love for you to express those emotions that were tied around that moment as well. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's interesting looking back, now it's been over a year, the the days and weeks immediately following that decision, I was uh, not in a good place. And now I am. And so, you know, what you're hearing now is maybe different than you would have heard in August 2021. Um but I think I almost have to, if it's okay, go back one more because it like sets the scene, right? I was, um, I was the executive director at the YMCA Supportive Housing Campus, and love that place, right? You know, I think of it as my baby, almost my first. You know, I, um, I grew up along with it, really, um, and had this amazing chance to do so. So. Um, Leaving there was not an easy decision, and so the the next decision was kind of on the on the back of that, you know, and it was almost even made it even worse in some way or harder or just you know more more I don't know. Um, so let's see. I I wasn't looking to leave, um, but I was kind of I'd been in this I've been calling it kind of the waiting place for a while, and. You know, I've seen tremendous need, and we wanted to do more and serve more people and create more programs, and um, it just, there were constraints. And so I was waiting for a while to be able to do that. And so knowing that I was in this beautiful place that I loved, but also feeling like waiting to do more, I think is kind of what made me ripe for the picking, I guess, if you... (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know if that's the right term, but um, I was recruited by Joppa um, to be their COO. And it happened over time. Like I said, I wasn't looking. It wasn't like there was this position and I applied. Um, I I had worked alongside Joppa for almost a decade in the same housing homelessness space and had helped um, participate in some of their community events. Um, and so I did I did that in December 2020. They did an Iowa Homeless Memorial. They recognize all of the people who died homeless over the past year. And so I helped with that service. Um, and then the next month, you know, I was invited to go for a tour. And the next month, it was kind of like, what would it take to get you down here? You know, and so, I mean, I, it, I was recruited and that felt good, right? So, I mean, there's my ego that felt good. But also, um, it was a hard decision because, like I said, I wasn't looking. I didn't even know if I would ever leave the Y. I love that place. Um and so it was this hard decision. I remember crying one night um, with my husband and just saying, like, I wish there was a sign. I wish, you know, I had this offer letter in front of me and I had to make a decision. Um, and I did not know what to do when I was crying. I wish there was a sign. And my husband said, I've never seen a more obvious sign. Someone came out of the blue to find you and wants your skill set that's very interestingly put together, you know, um, just because I did grow up along with it, um, and is offering you a raise and a promotion to come do all the things you've been waiting to do, you know, and it's like, well, I guess when you put it that way, it sounds like maybe this is the sign, right? And maybe I'm just, it's hard to leave something I love so much and the people that I love. And um, so I took it as, right, magic of new beginnings and jumped. And um, so ended up in this space that um, I felt like I was going in with my eyes open that it was going to be a lot of work Um you know, to get some organization in there that I wanted to do and some, you know, and I just, I found out pretty quickly that it wasn't a fit for me. Um, and, it, you know, I stayed four months. So it felt like longer, feel, you know, and I think part of it, I was, it was hard to leave the Y and go there. And I felt a little, um, I had feelings about that. And so then to feel like, that wasn't going to work was hard. Um, and so I stayed maybe longer than I would have. Um, and there were people that I cared about that were involved. And I was embarrassed. Honestly, I was very embarrassed to leave not having done what I set out to do to help grow this thing and organize and build it and um, so it felt a little like, man, it's been four months, which already feels too long. Um, very much feeling this unsettled value mismatch, um, people involved, you know, and just this like, whoa, well, what am I going to do? But realizing I didn't have, I didn't have time to figure out what was next. I couldn't stay. It was like, I couldn't stay another day. Um, 
And I think I really realized it when we went to camp. So my family goes to Y Camp in Boone. There's a family camp every August. And we've gone for years. My kids have grown up going. And it is our family's, like, magical place, right? We go every year. And it is a place of community and rest and, you know, no screens, nature, just, like, the things that fill me up. And I think having that week made me realize how out of alignment I had been for months. And it was, you know, I had this conversation with my husband, like, I don't, I don't know what's next, but I know it can't be this. And I acknowledge that maybe that was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I was in a place that I could make that. I'm, I'm coming from, I am a white middle-class woman coming from a place of privilege where I was able to make a decision to leave without a plan. And so I really feel like I need to say that because, um, you know, I was on my husband's health insurance and I, I was, I was set up in a way that, could I do it forever? Was it going to be easy? I mean, no, it was scary. And we had conversations, but I had a support system and I had some of those things in place. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. But we had this conversation and it was kind of like, I see what this is doing to you and our family and we'll, we'll figure it out. Let's just, we'll figure it out. And so I think maybe I went on and on and on when you maybe wanted something smaller. I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, but just this, it was this, you're right, because it wasn't just me. It was my family and it was, um, I felt a lot of like um, community leaders were looking at me like, okay, she made this move. Now what? And oh, she's leaving. And it was just, it was uh, very vulnerable to make the decision and not know. But when you talk about when you when you talk about the thought that you did not have a plan, you you have mentioned often that it did not match who you were and your values. So there was something that allowed you to see the misalignment. Can you tell us a little bit about how you have built your values and how you were able to make that recognition happen? based on the values that you have chosen for yourself? Hmm. Um, well, you know, I, my family jokes that, uh, that I, my brother and I grew up eating existential soup for dinner, they always say, because my dad is a pastor turned psychologist. My mom is a social worker and a therapist. And so my brother and I never had a chance. <laughs> you know, we grew up talking about the meaning of life. And so I really think... You know, I grew up thinking about those things a lot. And um, I've, you know, I've had an executive coach. We did a lot of values work. And um, so I've really spent a lot of time thinking about that and really drilling down, you know, what does this mean? What does this mean? You know, and I have a lot of anxiety. I overthink everything. So I'm set up to really focus on things, I suppose. And so, um, you know, I have a why statement that I wrote for myself, um, but I wrote it after this moment that we're talking about. Um, but it's because I think it's kind of what I've said. It's like this, it grow, you grow into it, right? So it fits back then. I just didn't know it. I didn't have the words. Um, but I did a lot of values work around, I, I think my top three values are 
belonging, compassion, and justice. And um, I, th- I think I can I, I know how that fits in my family, in my work, um, in my faith, and the different aspects, my friends. And so, um, you know, as a social worker, and so I think um, just sometimes you don't know what you don't know, but I think if you really can, if you don't distract yourself and you sit with that, um, I guess I was feeling a lot of angst to realize, you know, it wasn't a fit. Um, I don't know if I'm answering your question, Um, but it's like if I'm not... If I'm not going to be able, if it's not a fit now, and I don't see a path for how I can create that fit, then it became this like, whoa, we got to do something before I drift. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, well said. That's perfect. Thank you. So in the the moment where you're at this retreat and you are uh, having the aha moment, uh, once that aha moment happened, what action did you take? We got to work, I suppose. I mean, I think <laughs> I think the aha moment was, you know, um, we're the three of us, uh, colleagues that are in this Greater Des Moines Supportive Housing together, Carol Luth, Sarah Wigan, and I, um, we were at the Y together and we were at Joppa together. And so we have this, uh, this understanding, right, that maybe some others don't because we were on this path. Um, but I think ultimately it's, we, we've wanted to do what we're doing for a long time and we were at the Y and there were constraints and we went to Joppa and it wasn't a fit and it's like, well, we couldn't do it here and we couldn't do it here. Why don't we just try to do it? Right. And so that felt like, okay, there's a little hope, you know, that, but that wasn't the aha because it was like. Yeah, there's there's that, but how do we get there? How do we get there? Because it feels like we we did do that at the Y, and we can't just do it again. It's their intellectual property now. It's their you know we can't just use the same words and you know that. But really, that I felt like were my values, and so how do I? So I think that was where I just couldn't figure out how do we. You know, I love that place. I want it to keep on keeping on. I have you know. Um, right. I want that to be okay. So how do I do this? And it's different. And I think at the retreat, um, you know, we just stayed up really night, really late at night talking and eating popcorn. And we were just talking and talking. And I think it was like this, um, realization that we were trying to grow in this way and we couldn't. And so what we're talking about now is different it was this next um, level of where we were trying to go with our values. Um, and so on the car trip back home, because we all rode together, um, Carol, so Carol is this, she's this amazing listener. And Sarah and I talked about how we, what we had wanted to do, right? And the next day on the car ride, Carol reflected back to us what she had heard. And that was like this, that's it. It is different. It is okay. It's okay for all of us providers um, to exist in this space together because a diversity of people requires a diversity of approaches. And nothing is better or worse. It's just more options. And we all need each other because there's so much need in our community. 
Um, and so I think it was like that. And it was like, bingo. It is this um, where we were trying to go. I don't know if that's – you didn't expect me to just go on and on and on, did you? I'm a talker. I'm sorry. Okay. You, <laughs> okay. So <clears throat> this ties back to Framley. And I, yes. and I want to – I want to loop this back for a moment because you uh, obviously have a way that you are able to connect with your family, the people that you trust, that uh, that you know you can bounce ideas off of, and that are great listeners. We in in the moments where you were at a loss, how did you make the determination to reach out to those individuals? You've mentioned some anxiety that you feel. You mentioned uncertainty that you've felt. And I'm sure that no more than making a decision to leave without a plan. What was the impetus for you to reach out to your family? And how concerned, or were you, were you concerned at all with how they may react to your decision? Hmm. Um, I mean, so I have mentioned anxiety. I have a lot of it. I overthink things. I worry about what people think. Um, I think in some ways that doesn't serve me, and in some ways it does. I think it's also how I am able to have authentic relationships with people and really just um, – I think I wear my heart on my sleeve. And so there really is not um, – I can't hide it. I can't just pretend, you know, if someone were to ask me, are you okay? I could say, yeah, I'm fine. And if I leave the room, but if, you know, if they were to sit and look, you're not okay, what's up, you know, and I just, I can't fake it. And um, I think ultimately that's another reason that helped me have to leave, make the decision to leave without a plan because it was written all over, like, I can't fake this. I just can't, I can't, I can't do it. And so there were a lot of people I talked to before I made the decision and after I made the decision. I reached out to everyone that was, you know, I, I think I, I had like a hundred coffees in the weeks that followed literally, which also is not good <laughs> when you're already anxious, you know, your eye starts to twitch. That's a lot of caffeine. But, um, you know, I had lots of conversations with, well, sure, my husband and my kids who were understanding like, what's up and, you know, why is mom crying and what, you know, what's, you know, because I think they're going to go through times. And as a parent, you know, I think, is it, oh, is it Glennon Doyle that talks about we don't, um, we don't tell our kids that there won't be hard times. We tell them we'll be with them in the hard times. That's not quite right, but something along those lines. And so really, I was just bringing my kids along for this journey as well. And so there was a lot of family conversation there. But also, my parents and my brother were very close. Um, and I I knew um, that they I knew that they would love me no matter what and they you know but I was also searching for people who could help me make decisions um, or really kind of reflect back to me what like you know like how do I I don't know I just felt at a loss I felt like I didn't know which way to go you know do how do you know how do you it's hard to know when um, something isn't right. And so, because I'm not a quitter, right? That's part of it either. I'm an achiever and I'm a, I focus. And so to quit feels like, you know, but when do you know what that tipping point is? Um, so who was the person 
or maybe what was the advice that you received that was like, hey, yep, you get me, you get it. All right. That's what I needed. Was there yeah. that moment? Oh, man. I don't. While you're on a caffeine head, twitch. I don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, okay. I'm sure it will come to me later, you know, and I'll email you and say, this was the moment. Um, I don't know. I think, I, I know I really felt it at camp, like I said. Like I really realized once I was able to have a break away from it. Um, but I don't know if there was one person. I know that knowing my husband and my parents ultimately – had my back and we could figure it out for a while at least that felt like a burden off um so yeah I don't know I'm just I'm a people person I'm a people pleaser and so I think even though even though it wasn't about like will you be okay if I leave it was a little bit too you know I is are we all are we all gonna be okay we're all you know everything's fine we're all fine I don't know if I can answer your question specifically. No, that's fair. Um, yeah. So you had mentioned for a moment there uh, your love and appreciation for the YMC Supportive Housing Campus. And there, there is a balance between what they do and what you are moving to do now as well and what you have been doing. How do you balance that? And have you noticed any concern with your own network, with your perhaps your, your donor base, with people that you are connected to in your old world and this world when the, the lines are a bit blurry? Um, I mean, yes. I It's the, as I am a people pleaser and a people, you know, worrier and overthinking this, I do really... I can really go down that um, that rabbit hole where I worry, what are they thinking about this? Do people see this as a competition? Is this, you know, I, and I think that's ultimately those, there were those six weeks between leaving Joppa and launching this. And um, I think that's also what the retreat did for me, this aha that, no, it's not a competition. You can you can love that place and want the best for it and not hurt it and also continue doing what you love to do and helping people because there, I mean, you want to talk stats on um, homeless and um, people at housing risk and low income, like there is no one meeting the need in our community. There is no one... Um, there and even when even when Greater Des Moines Supportive Housing is up and going, there will still be a need. This is this will be another option. This will help more people. But there's so much need in our community, and it's only getting worse. We're at this burning platform um, place where we really need to come together as a community and do more. Um, and so I think there was this. No, it's different. It's not a competition. There is no ill will. There's room for everybody. Um, you know, the Y has 140 um, apartments. And when I left, the wait list was almost 120. I don't know what it is now. I know there's still a wait list. Um, other housing programs have wait lists. And so 
I hope that people don't see it as a competition because it's not at all. It's um, I, I just I've been wanting to do more and serve more and I have seen for over a decade what works. Um, and so I just I just want to keep doing more. Um, I you know, I it's easy to look at this and be like, well, there's only so much money. How you know, how is this going to happen? And I think I'm trying to look at it at a place from abundance, right? There's so much need in our community, but there is so much generosity in our community. And there are people that get it. And I think there's room for everybody. And that by creating more opportunities, you're creating more opportunities for people to give, whether it's through volunteerism or money. or So I'm not concerned about that. I don't think it will hurt the why or other providers. And I don't think it will hurt us. I think there's room for everybody. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question, um, but it is something that I worried about a lot and I continue to because it is a small community and we're all in the meetings together. And, uh, you know, a lot of the staff and the board members there are friends of mine. And so I do care. And I hope, you know, I, I hope everyone really can just see that it's all just to keep helping people. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about one specific thing as well. In this podcast, Facing Tomorrow, I don't want to say we necessarily glorify, but we talk about these moments in time where things happened and then this life grew out of that thing. Mm -hmm. And it may feel rosy at that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, hey, everything's great. We have now moved on and we're moving forward and we're creating this great thing. I am aware that there is a moment, even when you are creating this great thing with with your your group, where you had uh, you had your your vision, and unfortunately that vision also took a a, a stop, mm-hmm. and you had to refocus your efforts. Can you talk to us a little bit about that moment as well? Because I think that's important for our, our listeners to hear. You were on this great path, you thought everything was going smoothly, and then. Mm, we've got to refocus again. Yes. Talk to us about that moment. Yeah. Um, well, and so again, I'm in a better place now, but talking, you know, a week after that w- would have been very different. And so I think it's a great point. Uh, we were headed down a path. We had a site under control. Um, the the Valley West Inn, we had it under contract. And we were working for several weeks, a couple months, um, with an architect and a contractor, and we were, you know, doing the environmental studies. So we really went pretty far down the path of it's going to be this location where we were able to dream about, you know, the architects putting together, uh, you know, drawings, and we're seeing like, oh, this is real. And while it felt like, whoa, this happened faster than anyone expected, it still felt real. Um, and so ultimately, end of August. I don't apparently August is a uh, <laughs> a, a hard time for me. <laughs> I don't know, end of August. Um, but so the end of August 2022, we had to make a hard decision about whether to keep uh, the Valley West Inn under contract or not. And ultimately, just the timing and the funding, we just couldn't we couldn't do it. And so, you know, did we make the decision? Was the decision just kind of made because ultimately there are a handful of reasons it just wasn't going to work. It wasn't that site at that time. 
And so we had to let it go. And um, I remember sitting in a coffee shop with my board president, uh, Jim, and, you know, it was kind of like this moment, like, is it over? Is it, or can we keep going? Because sure, you can keep going, but you also have to keep um, momentum and supporters and, you know, you can't just move forward in the haze forever and expect people to keep supporting you, if that makes sense. Um, and so we didn't, we didn't know. We, you know, I didn't know. Um, I knew what I wasn't ready to give up. Um, talking to the board and the team, I think everyone almost was doubled down on more than ever, this is important. Like they get it more than ever, you know, everybody was really. And so I think we had to look at it as, right? Not this site at this time. We don't know what's next, but there is a little bit of next. <laughs> I don't know if that, you know, this has been a roller coaster, high highs and low lows. And that was maybe the lowest low. Um, and so we kind of made a plan for, well, how could we get through the end of 2022? And we were able to do that, which opened the, you know, the crack of light a little bit more. And then what was the next step? And so we still don't know. We don't have a site, um, but we feel like we've got some runway um, and the circle keeps getting wider with people who are supporting this and who are smarter than me and who are, you know, leaning in. And so I'm hopeful. If that, yeah. yeah. I love that. <laughs> I mean, I love that. It's the option, right? Yeah. And <laughs> and I think it's important for folks to know that that you may feel like you talked about this earlier. You may feel like now, well, now it's figured out. Now we're okay. Yeah. Well, that life's going to continue to to throw you for a loop. Yeah. But as long as you are are seeing that as well, this is another opportunity for us to grow, us to match our mission and our vision, and ensure that we as individuals are are following our passion. We're going to get there. It may not be in our pan, our plan. It may not be on our timeline, but it's going to get there. Right. So if you had an opportunity today to speak to an individual that is in the throes of, I am in the wrong position. I am in the wrong job. What is your strongest advice to that individual? Wow. Um, I think, well, everybody's different, you know, and I don't want to pretend like I've got everything figured out because I don't, (laughs) you know, I don't know either. Um, And so I think it's, really paying attention to your gut, your intuition, whatever that is, that gut check. Your, uh, I think if, you, if you're able to take a break from whatever it is you feel like is wrong, right? Take a break, whether it's a retreat or an hour of silence in your car. You know, I don't know. I don't know. But if you can kind of stop and listen I don't know what I mean. Listen to yourself. Feel it. You might not have an answer, um, but I think you you ha- you you do have your answer. You just you maybe you don't know it, you know. And it's really trying to take the time or reach out to your family because I'm a big believer that you nobody's in this alone. You can't. You know, it's impossible. I think. It's um, a fundamental need that we need people. And so whether it's someone to just sit with you in the silence 
or to to listen or whatever it is you might you might um, hear it in your own words as you're talking it out I don't know but if you can get with someone that you trust and also spend some time with yourself and then trust yourself trust yourself because ultimately you know um I don't know it's not it it isn't it isn't easy and I did it when I made my first big decision, and my first big decision turned out wrong. Um, But now, looking back, was it? Was it wrong? Because how do you know you're on the right path if you're never on the wrong path? So it all makes sense in the long run, right? And you will learn something, and things will get better, even if they get harder first. I don't know. I love that. And if you allow yourself to... What you mentioned is if you allow yourself to pause to break the noise and and just give yourself peace to think through those thoughts. We talk a lot about, we had talked a lot about that with career development as well. Take a pause, relax, and just observe what you have done over your life. To, to see how everything has molded you today to the person that you are, if you give yourself an opportunity, this is going to allow you to move and change in a positive direction as well. Absolutely. And I love that it is moving you in the direction that it is. Emily, this, is, this has been such a fun journey to watch. I'm sorry that the conversation took this long to happen, but uh, it is. I am so thankful that we were able to have this conversation today. May you continue to have great success. And uh, you know what? Even if things break down, I hope that I can continue to be part of your family and have some of those coffee talks with you. Absolutely. Emily, Absolutely. thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Best thank wishes you so to you. Thank you so much. Thank you.